Alright, Salt Company. Alright, Salt Company, you guys can go ahead and head back to your seats. Go ahead and find your seats. Hopefully these, this is not the end of those conversations, but it's just a pause in those conversations. Hopefully those are people that you're reconnecting with, having conversations with, building community with. So come back to those conversations. But guys, I'm excited to get the opportunity to open God's Word with you tonight. My name is Mason Van Beek. I'm on staff here with Salt Company. And I get the opportunity to, to continue us on in our relationships series. So if you joined us last week, you were here for week one of our relationship series, which Trent gave a fire message on the relationships, specifically friendships, and the reality that our friendship with Jesus impacts our friendships with other people here and now on this earth. And now I get the opportunity tonight to talk about dating relationships. I get the opportunity to talk about dating relationships. Now, guys, if I'm going to be honest, if I'm going to be honest, I'm not exactly what you might call a dating expert, okay? Like, let, let me give you an example. So let, let's throw it back to Junior High Mason for a second, okay? I brought a picture to help you know what Junior High Mason looked like. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, uh, it makes sense why I bring up Junior High Mason when I talk about dating, right? Clearly a ladies' man, okay? The double chin, the, the Under Armour long sleeve, under a short sleeve shirt, matching the Hawkeye uh, the Hawkeye hat, uh, able to handle a toy gun. I mean, obviously, all the things a lady was looking for, okay? Clearly not a ladies' man, okay? I wasn't in junior high, but believe it or not, I did have a relationship in junior high, okay? I did have a relationship. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but before you clap, it depends on how you classify a relationship, okay? Uh, this was a girl from my, uh, from my junior high class who uh, I asked to be my girlfriend on Facebook, where you didn't have like Facebook Messenger, you had like the actual messaging on Facebook, you didn't have a separate app. Yeah, throwback, right? So I uh, asked her to be my girlfriend, and, and I kid you not, guys, we hung out less when we started dating than when we were actually just friends beforehand. Needless to say, the relationship didn't last very long and it, it ended where it started. I broke up with her on Facebook, okay? I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I broke the number one rule in the book, but don't worry guys, my next girlfriend uh, dumped me over text, so it's fine. I got a taste of my own medicine, but don't feel bad for me, okay? Don't feel bad for me. Anyways, guys, I'm not a dating expert, okay? But one of the things that I've learned about dating is that dating can feel a lot like a puzzle, it can feel a lot like a puzzle. There's a lot of pieces that go into it, a lot of um, different things to take into consideration. For example, uh, you're thinking about, when you're in a dating relationship, you're thinking about their values and your values and their beliefs and your beliefs, what they enjoy doing for fun and what you enjoy doing for fun, their past and your past and your future and their future. And there's just a lot of pieces that go into dating, into a dating relationship. Now, I always get into like this kick over Christmas break where I like start doing a puzzle that I never end up finishing. Uh, but what I do know about a puzzle is that one of the most important parts of a puzzle is that you have the box with the picture on it. Okay, in order to do a puzzle, you need to have the box with a picture on it so you know how you're to put the puzzle pieces together. Like imagine trying to put together a puzzle without having the box or the picture on it. Right, it's gonna be difficult, it's gonna be frustrating. Or imagine having puzzle pieces that don't actually correspond to the picture on the box. Again, going to be frustrating and disappointing. Now why do I bring that up as I talk about dating? Well, the reason I do is because I think, 
I think a lot of people in this room in today's day and age don't actually know the picture or the end goal that they're trying to work towards as they're dating. They don't actually consider that there's a box to look at with a picture on it as they think about putting together the pieces of dating. My hope tonight is that I begin to show you that there is a box and there is a picture that we are to put the pieces of dating together and that picture is marriage. We're going to use the picture of marriage to actually inform the way we think about dating. And I'm going to use the Bible to do that right here at Salt Company. I'm going to open the Bible with you guys. But I need to make something clear before I do. Guys, dating was not a common thing at the time the Bible was being written, okay? You had arranged marriages. Some of y'all in the room are like, that'd be so much easier, okay? Like, I don't want to do this dating thing, okay? They didn't talk a lot about dating in the Bible. They just, they just didn't. So instead of opening up to a specific verse in the Bible that talks about dating, it, it's not there. So we're going to use the picture of marriage. But what you need to know is, is that there's going to be some things as we look at the picture of marriage that are going to translate into dating, and there's going to be some things that do not translate into dating. Okay, there's going to be some themes and concepts and characteristics that translate into dating, but there are going to be some things that do not translate. Okay, I wanted to make that clear on the front end. It'll make sense as we jump into our text for the night. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22. So if you have your Bible, go ahead, your Bible app, find Ephesians chapter 5, head to verse 22. It's going to be on the screen behind me as well if you don't have either of those things. I'm going to read it for us as we begin to look at the picture of marriage, as we begin to look at the box that we're to, to put the pieces of dating together to make. So it says this, Ephesians 5 verse 22, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did us present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body." For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Now, there's going to be three characteristics that I want to, us to pull out of this picture of marriage that are going to inform the way we think about dating. The first characteristic we're going to look at, if you're taking notes, the first characteristic we're going to look at is the characteristic of selflessness. Selflessness. This characteristic is seen in this passage when Paul gives wives and husbands the roles that they have within marriage. Essentially, what wives and husbands are called to in marriage is to selflessly live. The wife through submitting to her husband and the husband through being willing to lay down his life for his wife. Now, I need to make this real clear for a second. Here's what I mean when I say there's not a one-to-one -one correlation. I'm not asking you as girlfriends to submit to your boyfriends. Boyfriends, you should not be asking your girlfriend to submit to you. 
Boyfriends, you should not be leading your girlfriend in the way that a husband leads his wife. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not the translation that should be made from this text. But I just want to pause before I move any further. If you're a woman in the room, it might be hard though, even though this idea that's being talked about here isn't true in dating, this idea of submission might trip you up a little bit. It might be something that, that causes uh, something not to quite feel right within you. Now, I'm not going to get into it too much, but I didn't want to leave you in that space of not knowing what that actually looks like. And so if you're at all interested, if you're a woman in the room and you're like, what does that look like? I don't know if I feel right about that. The Running Deep podcast is a podcast that Sarah Herring, one of the, the female staffers, does. Running Deep is the name of the podcast. And look for the episode, Godly Submission in Marriage. Again, doesn't translate into dating, but if you're a woman in the room and you're like, that just doesn't feel right even as I think about marriage, that's a great resource, okay? So, not going to talk more about that, but we're going to talk more about this idea of selflessness, okay? This characteristic of selflessness. In order to put the pieces of dating together to make the picture of marriage, according to God's Word, there needs to be selflessness that is present, now, selflessness can be defined as a concern more with the needs and wishes of others rather than one's own wishes and desires. So, here's what I'm asking you. Does the person you are dating or hoping to date, do they have the ability to live selflessly? Do they have the ability to put aside their own wants, desires, needs at times to meet the needs, wants, and desires of other people? Now, here's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking, are they perfect at it? I'm asking, do they have a desire? Do they have the ability to put aside their wants, desires, and needs at times to serve the wants, desires, and needs of other people? And guys, the reason that this is important is because if in marriage your role as a husband or a wife is dependent on your ability to selflessly live, if you're not doing that now, what is going to cause you to begin to do that in marriage? What is going to cause the person you're in a relationship with to begin to live selflessly in marriage? I'm not saying they should be submitting to you. I'm not saying they should be leading you. But I am saying they should have the ability to put aside their own wants, desires, and needs at times to meet the needs, wants, and desires of other people. Now, before you begin to wag your finger in the face of your boyfriend or your girlfriend, ask the question of yourself, do I live selflessly? Do I have the ability to put aside my wants, desires, and needs to meet the wants, desires, and needs of other people? So the first characteristic we see that is in marriage that should impact the way we think about dating is the characteristic of selflessness. The second characteristic that we're going to see in this passage is the characteristic of commitment. So if you're taking notes again, first one, selflessness. Second characteristic, commitment. So after Paul goes through verses 22 through verse 30, explaining the roles of the husband and the wife, he says this in verse 31. It's going to be on the screen. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This verse might seem familiar to you because it's actually a quote from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, 
And it's what's said right after God gives Eve to Adam. And a lot of times when I hear this verse, a helpful way that I've understood this is that what's happening is when it talks about leaving father and mother and being joined to wife, if you've ever heard this, it might be something along the lines of leaving father and mother and cleaving to one's spouse or significant other. And this idea of cleave is a helpful one because the, the definition, the, the one word to, to describe cleave is unwaveringly. So you're leaving father and mother and you're unwaveringly being joined to your wife. Oftentimes you'll hear this in, in vows at the wedding, right? For better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, through sickness and in health. Now again, I'm not saying this is the level of commitment that should be present in a dating relationship, but what I am saying is that commitment should not be void in a dating relationship. There should be a level of commitment in a dating relationship. Honestly, if you were to ask Megan, my now wife, if there would have been any reason as to why she would have broken up with me when we were dating, it probably would have been because at times my commitment to our relationship. Now let me explain what I mean by that. I found myself with a tendency to be committed to our relationship only when it seemed convenient for me to commit to our relationship. So, let me explain more. If she asked me to hang out, I would wait until I saw what my friends were doing that night, and if they weren't doing anything, I would commit to hanging out with her because it was convenient, because nothing else was happening. If I knew my friends were doing something, I wouldn't ask her to hang out because it wasn't convenient because I wanted to hang out with my friends. Honestly, if, if I had not figured out how to be committed to our relationship, I wouldn't have blamed Megan for shooting me the breakup text and saying, I'm done with you if you're not going to commit to actually being in a relationship with me. And guys, here's why. Here's why I think there's a, a certain level of commitment that needs to be present in a dating relationship. Because if I wasn't able to commit to my girlfriend when it wasn't convenient for me, how was she going to know that I was going to commit to her for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health? I'm not saying I should have committed to that level in a dating relationship. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is I should have had a greater level of commitment. And thankfully, I found out to have a, how to have a greater level of commitment. Because the reality is we see that the two become one flesh in marriage. You leave father and mother and you cleave to one another, unwaveringly committed to one another in marriage. So again... I'm not saying that level of commitment should be present in your dating relationship, but I am saying your dating relationship should not be void of commitment. In your relationship, you should be committed to spending time with one another. You should be committed to being there for one another when you need each other. You should be committed to not dating or talking to another guy or gal when you're in the relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend. We can agree on that. There is commitment that needs to be present in a dating relationship. 
Okay, so, so far, if you're tracking with me, if you're taking notes, we've had two characteristics, selflessness and commitment that we've seen. Both present in marriage that I think impact the way we think about our dating relationships. Now, I don't know if, if as a teacher, somebody who's like talking about God's word, if I can have like favorite points within my message, but this last characteristic that I'm about to jump into is my favorite characteristic that we see within marriage that I think really should impact your dating relationship and who you're dating specifically. So look with me at verse 32 as we look at the, f- the last characteristic. It says this, This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. The third characteristic that we see present in marriage is the characteristic of glorifying God. Glorifying God. What Paul is saying in verse 32 is he's saying that this picture of marriage should resemble the relationship between Christ and the church. Another way to say it, he's saying that the picture of marriage should point others to the picture of the gospel. Guys, the unbreakable commitment between husband and wife should model the unbreakable commitment that Christ has made to his church. The way a husband lays down his life for his bride should model the way Christ laid down his life for his church when he died on the cross for their sins and rose again three days later. The way that a wife submits to her husband should model the way that we as the church now submit to Christ and his lordship and authority in our lives. So essentially in saying all of those things, Marriage is all about glorifying God. These roles, this commitment is all about glorifying God. How, though, does this impact dating today? Okay, track with me for a second. Track with me. If the end goal of dating is marriage and the purpose of marriage is to glorify God, then the reality is That if the end goal of marriage is to glorify God, then shouldn't we be dating people who are all about glorifying God? If the end goal of dating is marriage and the purpose of marriage is to glorify God, shouldn't we be dating people who are all about glorifying God? Before anything else, they should be about glorifying God. Shouldn't we be dating people who are desiring to glorify God by the way that they follow Jesus in their day-to-day lives? Shouldn't we be dating people who are desiring to, to honor God, to glorify God in the way that they're speaking, the way that they're spending their time, the way that they're spending their money, the way that they're spending their lives? Now, let me remind you, I'm not saying you should be dating somebody who's doing these things perfectly. But what I am saying is you should be dating somebody, like if you're a believer, you should be dating somebody whose number one priority and joy in life is glorifying God. You should desire to date somebody who's living a Colossians 3.17 lifestyle. Colossians 3.17 says this, 
And whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You should be dating somebody that in whatever they do, word or in deed, they're doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and glorifying him with all that they do. But like the two other characteristics that we've observed so far in this picture of marriage, we got to realize that this is a two-way street. Not only is it important that the person you're dating is all about glorifying God, but you have to ask the question of yourself, are you all about glorifying God? Are you seeking to glorify God in all that you do? Because guys, the reality is, in order for the picture of marriage to glorify God, there needs to be two people who are committed to one another, who selflessly love one another, and desire to glorify God in all that they do. So yes, the person you're dating, absolutely, their number one priority should be to glorify God. But you must also ask the question, is your number one priority to glorify God? Now, if I were to ask you, you don't have to do this, but if I were to ask you to raise your hand, if dating still feels like a confusing 1,000-piece puzzle, there would probably still be a lot of hands that come up. And honestly, guys, that's okay. Dating is a confusing and nuanced process. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to help you put all of the pieces together. But my hope is that over the last 20-ish minutes, you've at least seen that there is a box and there is a picture on that box and that picture is marriage. And as you think about dating, And the end goal, the picture that's on the box being marriage, my hope would be that as we saw in marriage, selflessness, commitment, and God-glorifying living is present, I would hope that that would shape the way that you think about dating and who you're dating and how you're dating and when you're dating. But now I want to do something a little bit different and get to the practical side of dating. Instead of just hearing me talk about the practical side of dating, I'm actually going to invite Kelsey and Shay, two of our female staff members, up on stage. And for the next 25-ish minutes as we close out our time together, we're actually going to begin to just have a conversation with you. Like we're sitting in a living room talking about what wisdom we've gained as far as it goes in dating both in our own lives in dating, but walking alongside of college students who have been dating. And so over the next 25-ish minutes, that's how we're going to spend our time talking practically about these things that we just talked about in our time together. So as we get set up, Shay, when you get set up, why don't you give, why don't you give people a rundown of where we're going to be the next 25-ish minutes? Okay, like Mason said, now we have kind of a big picture, right? But there's a lot of nuance to dating, and we're not going to be able to hit all of the specifics and cover all of the questions that you guys have, but we do want to help answer three questions for you. So we're going to talk about who to date, when to date, and how to date. Um, And then we put a little poll or a question box on our Instagram stories this week, and so we've got a couple kind of rapid fire questions that we're also gonna try to answer uh, tonight. So um, like I said, we recognize that you guys are probably walking in, some of you are in relationships, some of you are single, 
some of you have maybe recently had like a rough breakup. Like there's all sorts of things like that happening in this room. And so we're going to try to have something helpful for everybody. Um, but that being said, if you have questions or things uh, that pop up along the way, we would love to chat with you afterwards. So great. Okay, so let's dive in. We are going to start with who to date. So Mason has like briefly touched on this, but there are four things that as we, the three of us were chatting, we think are important qualities to look for. And I'm gonna start this with the caveat that I think the order of these four things really matters. So the first one is, um, are you looking for somebody who loves Jesus? And when I say loves Jesus, I mean like for real loves Jesus, right? Uh, so I think it can be easy to um, make some assumptions about someone because they attend church or come to salt company or they say they love Jesus. Um, but what does it actually look like? Like, how do I know if the person I'm interested in or the person that I'm dating like actually is a believer? Um, I think we'll talk here about like letting other people into that in a minute. But some things that you can even think about yourself are... Um, like, what patterns or habits do I see um, in this person's life? Um, what are some things that, or are, are, are they doing these Jesus church-related things only with me? Or was this something that was is like a normal part of their life before I came into the picture? Um, yeah, I think if, as we like think about scripture, 2 Corinthians 6.14 is worth referencing here. So, you guys have maybe heard this verse before, but don't be equally yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? So, um, yeah, I think it's important to think through who you're attaching yourself to in life in general. And if, like Mason said, the goal of dating is that it would potentially lead to marriage, we just want to be really careful that the person that we're with um, actually has an authentic relationship with Jesus. So that's quality number one. Quality number two is friendship. This was an interesting one to think about because um, I think we, I think this one maybe gets misprioritized in the lineup a little bit. So is this person somebody that you like, like, do you even enjoy them? Do you like hanging out with them? Um, do you guys have like similar interests or hobbies? Uh, a a lot of dating and married life is just doing normal everyday things with somebody. Um, so can you imagine doing both really fun, but also maybe some really like mundane things with this person? My husband, Clay, and I don't have like a ton of hobbies in common. We're honestly pretty different people, but I actually enjoy like I don't know, like our time together in the car or like, you know, conversations that we have about like really average everyday things together. So I think friendship is really important. Number three then is the future trajectory. So you don't have to know exactly where you want to go in life and this person doesn't either. But as far as you can tell up to this point, are you guys headed in similar directions or are you like, I actually think that maybe someday I want to move overseas and he or she is like, I'm 100% going back to my small little hometown 20 minutes from here. Maybe that's something worth considering that you should like, I don't know, just take into consideration. So an analogy that I've heard before is this airplane analogy. Um, if like, if you hop on a plane at JFK and you're headed to LAX in Los Angeles 
and, the, and there are two planes, say they leave at the same time, they're off by one degree difference. One of those planes, guys, will be in LAX, and the other one will land, like, crash into the middle of the ocean. <laughs> one degree. That's, like, not, that doesn't sound like that much, right? But when you go a distance, like, across the country, like, you literally end up in completely different places. And so, I don't know, think about, uh, yeah, as, as you're trying to figure out where you want to be in life, I think it's important to take other people into consideration. Take the nitty-gritty of what they believe into consideration. Um, because, yeah, we, we could end up in really different spots. And then number four is attraction. Um, guys, attraction, like physical attraction, isn't not important, right? Um, but I think it's worth noting that there's more to attraction than just what is physical. Um, you can absolutely grow in physical attraction to, with, to somebody when their character and the mission that you're on together is aligned. So of all these things, we know that like you guys, <laughs> your room full of people in your prime right now, like <laughs> your your late teens, early twenties, like it doesn't get better than this, right? So the physical will fade. Yeah, I'm 30. I can say stuff like that. Um, so the physical is going to fade um, while other things should remain the same. So big picture, when you, after you think about those four things, our other main piece of advice for you guys, which you'll probably hear us repeat tonight, is to date in community, right? So like we talked about when we talked about, when Trent talked about friendship last week, you need people to check your blind spots. So ask, figure out who those people are in your life ask them to weigh in, and then actually listen. That's like the hard part, right? Because I think we can easily go into relationships with blinders. But good friends won't just tell you what you need to hear, right? They'll tell you, um, or they won't just tell you what you want to hear, they'll tell you what you actually need to hear. So while breakups are the worst, right? Nobody likes going through a breakup. Um, dating or being married to somebody who's not pursuing the Lord is so much worse. And I think we could all attest that breakups, when you have awesome community, <laughs> they hurt a little bit less. So any other thoughts you guys have about who to date? I think the, the one thing that, that I have realized um, as I've like now been a part of college ministry is I think it's important, Shay, you brought up that, that friendship oftentimes falls lower on the, the spectrum than we think that it does or that it should. I think a lot of times we just think that, oh, if they're a believer, like, yeah, well, I, I can't break up with them. Like, I'm in a relationship with them. They love Jesus. Like, I can't break up with them. But the reality is, like, guys, if you don't enjoy having fun with them, like, if you don't, if you don't enjoy being friends with that person, like, it's okay for them to love Jesus and for you to say, hey, I actually don't think we should date. I don't think we should get married. Like, that, that's an okay thing. Like, it's okay for them to love Jesus and for you to still say, hey, I don't think we should continue dating. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's a great reason to not be with somebody. <laughs> yeah, great. Okay, so if that's who we're dating, um, Mason, give us the rundown of maybe what it looks like to think about when to start dating. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the perfect question to start with when you think about when to date is asking the question, am I content in my relationship with Jesus? Am I content in my relationship with Jesus? Guys, here's the truth. The truth is that the relationship that you're longing for, whether you know it or you don't, is a relationship with Jesus. And for those who know that to be true, 
Lean into that. And for those that don't, guys, just know that you're going to continually be disappointed person after person because they're never going to actually bring you the contentment that you have and can find in Jesus. But if you are a believer, you need to ask the question, am I content in my relationship with Jesus? Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10 says this, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by Him who is the head over every ruler in authority. When it says that we as believers have been filled with Christ, a better way to understand what it says when filled there is it actually is better to understand that to mean complete with Christ. You have been completed with Christ. There's not a spot of your heart that's missing until you find the one. There's a spot of your heart missing and feeling like it's missing until you have a relationship with Jesus. Which is why, guys, I know this is a dating conversation, but let me just pause for a second and talk about that's why it's okay to be in singleness. It's okay to be single. It's okay to be single now, and it's actually okay to be single forever. Because the reality is, is that you actually can be made complete in Christ, not in relationship with somebody else. You're not going to be any less complete than myself or Kelsey or Shay if you never get married because the way we've been made complete is in relationship with Jesus. And guys, actually, being content in your singleness might actually be the indicator that you're ready to be in a dating relationship. Like, that's not to say, like, you can be single and desire a relationship, but still be content in singleness because you've been completed in your relationship with Jesus. Okay, off of singleness, back. Okay, when to date? Contentment in Christ. But not only that, contentment in Christ that leads to life change. Contentment in Christ that leads to life change. Guys, not only is it important that you're content in your relationship with Jesus, but it's important that in your relationship with Jesus, your life is beginning to look differently now than it did before you had a relationship with Jesus. For example, has your relationship with Christ changed the way that you're fighting sexual sin in your life? Like if you're not seeing an overall upwards trajectory in your fight against personal sexual sin, like pornography, masturbation, then it might not be the wisest decision to jump into a relationship right now. Because it's not only going to continue to impact you, but you're bringing somebody else into that relationship to be impacted. And let alone the fact that dating is going to open up a whole nother opportunity for sexual sin. I'm not saying that there needs to be perfection in this area again, but what I am saying is there, there should be an upwards trajectory in victory being found. And if, if not, maybe dating isn't the best. Other example to think of, and maybe the more broad example, ask the question, am I able to lead myself in my relationship with Christ? Do you have a healthy personal walk with Jesus right now? Or are you going to begin to depend on the person you're in a relationship with to be the one who helps you have a healthy relationship with Jesus? Because guys, one of the worst things that I see is when somebody goes through a breakup 
And their relationship with Jesus tanked because they didn't have a healthy relationship with Jesus before. They just had a healthy relationship because the person that they were dating had them have a healthy relationship with Jesus. That's not a bad thing, but are you able to lead yourself as an individual to follow Jesus? Probably a helpful thing to think through before you jump into a dating relationship. This is one of the questions that there's a lot of caveats. There's a lot of different things to think through, but that, those are some of the things I would say. What, did you guys add anything yeah, to that? I think all of those questions are like, they can be really tough to assess yourself. And so that's even like thinking back on what I was talking about with community earlier. Like if you, maybe maybe some of the answers to those questions, you're like, I actually feel, feel like I do have a good gauge. Um, but it never hurts to like go to a friend and be like, okay, Kels, what are you, th- like, here's kind of what I'm thinking. Do you agree? Or are there like things that I'm missing here? Um, and I think that can be really helpful too. So, oh yeah, your friend, your friend might say, "You think you're con-, kind of a funny scenario. You think you're content in Jesus, dude? All you talk about is how you want to be in a relationship. I might have heard that before. Okay, I'm maybe speaking from experience. Guys, your friends might be a good gauge when they say, "Hey, I think all you talk about is how you want to be in a relationship with a girl. Are you actually content in your relationship with Jesus?" I think that's good, right. Shay. The, the crush you told me about this week is different than the one you told me about last week. So we <laughs> yeah, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I just want to say, like, I feel like there's a lot of pressure in college for both guys and girls to be dating. And I just want to say, like, you do not. You guys are so young. You do not need to be dating in college. Like, if you have, if you're single all the way through college, raise your hand to me. <laughs> like, that's totally fine. And actually, like, a God-given gift to you. Um, to like pursue relationship with him and deep community with those around you. And so like, I don't know. I just am like, ah, don't freak out if you're like not going on dates and ever have a boyfriend or girlfriend in college. And it's like, that's, it's totally fine. If God wants it to happen, it'll happen in his time. And so totally. Yeah. That's really good. Sometimes we live in like a weird Christian bubble that makes us think that we're weird if we're not dating. But maybe we're the weird ones for actually dating and some of us getting married at 23. I don't know. You know what I mean? So, okay, great. Um, Kels, how about like, how, how do we, so, so say we've done a personal self-assessment, we've chatted with our community and we're like, okay, I think this relationship actually is like a good thing to be pursuing. What does it like practically look like to actually date? Like how should we think about how to date? Yeah, okay. So one of the things that I think about, which we've all kind of touched on before, is like, and Mason, you and your message, is that the Bible doesn't specifically tell us how to date. It does talk about marriage, which gives us a really clear pathway for how to understand dating. Um, And that is basically like, dating is not marriage, right? (laughs) It's not marriage. And it's actually seen more as like a friendship or um, uh, dating is more compared to friendship or a relationship with like a brother and sister than it is to like a covenant relationship, intimate, um, relationally, emotionally with a spouse. But I think a lot of times we actually let our desire, like we have deep desires in us for that intimacy with another person, for that like depth of intimacy, relationally and emotionally with someone. And I think we let that desire for intimacy shape how we date when actually we should be like pursuing clarity about marriage over intimacy that comes from marriage. Does that make sense? So a lot of times, yeah, we're pursuing um, things in our dating relationships that are increasing intimacy, closeness with one another that actually are like hindering us from like making a good decision about is this person the right one I should marry? Um, And I think 
yeah, I felt that in past relationships, and I'm sure you guys have felt that too, where it's like, man, the closer you get to someone like physically, the more emotionally connected you are, the more like difficult it is to make a decision about like, should I even be with them and considering them for marriage? And so, um, so then how do we, how do we date well then if we're always wanting more and more intimacy with someone um, and wanting it to look like a marriage? So I think um, boundaries are actually extremely, extremely helpful in dating relationships. And I think through, I always think through three boundaries. Um, physical, physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, and spiritual boundaries. If you're taking notes, please write those down. Physical, emotional, and spiritual. So I'm going to go through each of those and kind of give like an example and why it's important. Um, and I just think those three boundaries, like this is just a good principle. If you start pushing the lines on one of those boundaries, they're all going to like follow each other. Like when you grow in intimacy physically with someone, you're going to grow in intimacy relationally, like emotionally with them. And um, it gets really messy. And so I'm going to walk through them. Physical. An example, not kissing until you're engaged. Not kissing until you're married. Um, no lying down together. Those are just examples of some, I think, really healthy and good physical boundaries. They sound, it sounds radical for me to say, don't kiss <laughs> the person you're dating until you're engaged or married. But like from, t from experience, that is actually something that is so beneficial because um, one sin is a slippery slope. I think we all know that. And so once you open up a door for sin to take hold, um, yeah, it is just like a snowball effect. And so a few questions for yourself in this category could be um, to ask yourself, if anyone walked in or saw what I'm doing with my significant other, would I feel ashamed or embarrassed? Another one is, is the way we interact physically clouding our judgment? And another one is, are you intentionally doing things together knowing that it will turn you on, right? So sex is an intimate thing that is for marriage, and if you are being sexually turned on, then that is something that is supposed to be for a marriage. And so if we should be running from those things and not like wanting to move closer and closer to those things. Um, the second one, emotional boundaries. An example would be, not saying I love you until you're engaged or married. Um, and another one is going to close friends first for your emotional and relational needs before your significant other. Um, I think this one's really important because it's really easy for us in our minds to like say, I'm all in with this person, like they're mine, I love them, like this is it. And like that increases your level of commitment, which a certain level is good, but when you get emotionally attached to someone that much where they become your person, like above all other people, like, and they're not your spouse or they're not going to be your spouse, then that is a really dangerous place to be. Um, and so some questions to ask yourself in this category are, let's see, am I neglecting my friendships because of my significant other, um, the depth of those friendships? And is my significant other the person I share the most with when it comes to my emotional and relational needs? Um, the third one, spiritual. Examples for this boundary would be like um, your regular Bible reading time is not regularly with your significant other. Or also they are not the first or main person you confess your sin with. And that's actually your other close friends. Um, and the question to ask yourself with this one is, if we break up, how would it change my relationship with God's people and God's word or God himself? 
and will my spiritual disciplines survive a breakup? And I think, Mason, you kind of hit on this a little bit earlier. And so, yeah. And I think those, those three boundaries have been extremely helpful, like, to think through in my own life, but also to help friends think through as they walk into dating relationships. Um, a, couple, a couple notes about boundaries that I just went over. One is be on the same page about it with your significant other and like actually communicate and talk about it because it can create a lot of hurt and conflict if one person has these expectations for boundaries that the other person doesn't or vice versa. Um, also, we already talked about it, but sin is a slippery slope. And so instead of asking, I think we hear this a lot, like, where's the boundary? Like, how do we know when we've crossed the boundary? Guys, we shouldn't even like we should be running far as far away from the boundaries as we can. We shouldn't be asking how close we can get to it. We should be asking, God, how should I honor you in my relationship so that I don't even have to worry about boundaries? <laughs> um, and the third one is, guys, dating is hard, and boundaries are hard, and we are sinful and messy people. And so I just want you to know that, like, God has so much grace for you in this category, like, of your relationship. Um, the encouragement here from us on stage is not to, like, feel ashamed or, like, oh, my gosh, I've messed up on so many things. It's like, no, we're all sitting up here. We're sinners, too. We've been here. We know this. Um, but it's actually to just take these boundaries and principles of honoring God in your relationship and, like, actually seriously consider it with the Lord. Say, God, how do you want me to honor you in my relationship um, or in a future relationship? And then, like, go and actually talk about it with your significant other. <laughs> Um, or if you get in a relationship down the road, like, talk about it, like, pray about it. Um, some practical tips, and then I'll let you guys add in whatever you want. So real quick, clarity is kindness. Boys and girls, take note, clarity is kindness. <laughs> um, when you're communicating with one another, please be clear. Um, be clear with what you mean and with what you expect. Um, an example is, like, sometimes people are in a talking phase for, like, months on end, and I'm like, whoa, 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 people get so confused in that phase because we don't actually know what's going on. Like, I've been that. <laughs> like, what's happening here? And it actually causes a lot of hurt and confusion. That's just one example. Um, but be clear. Clarity is kindness. Um, the second one is date and community, which we've already talked about. We hit on that a lot. Um, if you don't know the person you're dating's friends, like, if you don't know their friends, one, you're missing out on getting to know the actual person that you're dating. Because our friends, like, actually reveal a lot about who we are. Um, and it's a really sweet thing. Two, um, it's really easy to hide things. And so, especially with these boundaries, like, invite your close friends into those boundaries and what your boundaries are and the actual, like, what's going on? Like, how are we doing with this? Um, there's wisdom in many counselors. And so, yeah, community. And the last practical thing. This one's fun. It's called going out on dates for a reason. Guys, actually go out on dates. Go out of your apartment. Movies in your apartment at night should be a last resort date. Last resort, everybody. Like, A, you don't learn anything about each other. You're just watching a movie. Two, or B, it's the easiest place um, to cross boundaries and for sin to, like, take hold. Um, and see, you just have more fun going out. And so the principle behind that one is, like, pursue getting to know one another. That's what dating is. Pursue getting to know one another. Be intentional with one another. And if you stop doing this, you should probably stop.
yeah, this feels like the category that I think we often get the most pushback from students on is, uh, is when you guys think about boundaries. But I think it's worth thinking about, like, if we as believers are supposed to look different from the world, then our, the way we think about our relationships and the boundaries we set should look different, too. And so if you feel like, man, that is kind of extreme, that's actually maybe a good thing um, and worth evaluating. So that's great. Okay, we don't have a ton of time left, so we are going to rapid fire three questions from Instagram. Are you ready? Okay, question number one, Kelsey. If I um, say I've been in a relationship, we've been together for a while, and in the middle of dating each other, I came to know Jesus, um, but my significant other doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, what do I do? Okay. First, I think there's a lot of context to every situation, so this is just kind of a principle. The answer in every, like, the answer is not in every one of those situations to break up, I don't think, immediately. Um, but I think you need to evaluate, like, the actual situation. So I think first, like, talk about it with your significant other. Talk about, like, what's changed in your life and be clear about it um, and see where they're at. And one, maybe they're leaning into faith and leaning into Jesus and, like, coming to church and actually attending a connection group but just haven't, like, put their full faith in Christ yet. Like, they're leaning into faith, and that could be a really really good thing and a sweet thing to continue in relationship with them, like both on the same page about what's true. Um, but on the other hand, if that person is hostile to your faith or um, leading you to sin in a way that's like unhelpful for your walk with Christ um, or hurting your view of God and the church, then actually maybe the best move is to break up. And so with both of those things, I think it's like the principle of community, like one, pray and ask God what to do, but second, like, bring your community into that decision. That's great. Great. Okay, question number two. How do I move on or, like, let go of somebody when they aren't actually leading me to Jesus? First of all, to state the obvious, guys, breakups suck. They're the worst, right? So even if you know something is the right choice, that doesn't mean it's the easy choice, right? And it's super cliche, but to, but just the friendly reminder that like things do get easier with time and when you have people to navigate with these things with like that makes things helpful so I think if you if you're feeling the nudge that you need to break up with somebody I think just a general arching overarching principle of how to do that well the length of your relationship should determine the depth of clarity that you give somebody in a breakup so if you dated like Mason did that one girl over Facebook for like two weeks Honestly, breaking up over Facebook kind of makes sense. If you've dated for years, though, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's fair. But if you've been dating for years, then you really owe somebody an in-depth conversation about the, the nuances of, obviously do that with kindness, and but, but clarity is going to be really helpful in a situation like that. And then stick to some boundaries afterwards, right? Give people space. Everybody needs room to process, and, and I think it's helpful to limit communication. It's not fair to be half in and half out, um, and like emotional boundaries, we just talked about how important they are in a relationship, but they're also really important if you're ending one. So, okay, last question, Mason. How do we know that God is telling us if somebody is the one for us? So I think this is, I think this is a great question. I think it's probably one that a lot of people in the room are asking, uh, but I think there's honestly a little bit of a misunderstanding. Guys, here's what's actually true. There's, there's not one person out there that you're compatible with, and if you screw that up, 
You're never going to find somebody and you're never going to be married to somebody. Like, it's not like there's this one person in Australia and if you never go to Australia, I don't know why I said Australia. There's just one person in Australia, and if you never go there and meet them, you're never going to find the one that you're compatible with. Yes, it's true that God does know who you're going to be married to if you're going to be married, but it's not true that there's only one person that you could ever be compatible with because if that person desires to glorify Christ, desires to love selflessly, desires to be committed to you forever, they can be somebody who can put on display, and there's somebody that you have a friendship with. They can be somebody that you're married to. There's not this one person but rather, God might have one for you, and it's, it's, not your, it's not like you're going to mess something up of like, well, you messed it up with the one. Now you're going to be single for the rest of your life. If there's one, God knows who it is. But just look for the qualities in whom we've, we've talked about. Think through the things that we've thought through. And maybe you'll end up stumbling a, across the, the person who God uh, does have to be your spouse for the rest of your life. So. Cool. Okay, so to, to just wrap us up, uh, if you guys have other questions, like we said, we would love to chat with you afterwards. But I know that some of you might be feeling different things, right? You might be in a relationship and be like, okay, I'm feeling great. Like, I think we're doing some things right. Um, or maybe you are one of those people who's coming out of a rough relationship. Or maybe like as we were talking about things like boundaries tonight, you were like, man, I got some baggage. And no matter where you're at in in your past with past relationships, we just want to like kindly remind you that um, the Lord is extending forgiveness to you and that your past relationships don't have to dictate your future relationships. Like there can and is a reset button and Jesus sees you in all of that. So um, I would love to pray for us and uh, then we'll enter back into worship. So um, yeah, Father, grateful for just this conversation tonight, grateful that your word um, speaks to all kinds of relationships and that um, you care and see us as we try to navigate um, dating situations. And so, um, yeah, Father, I just pray for uh, the students in this room who are maybe processing all kinds of different things. Um, would they meet themselves with grace because you meet them with grace? Um, but would you also maybe even uh, challenge some people in this room tonight to think differently about their relationships, to not hold tight to things of this world, but to um, just be reminded that, um, yeah, if we pass off the control of all the relationships in our life to you, um, we are always better for it. And so, um, yeah, would you stir in the hearts of the people in this room tonight? Um, would you remind us of the joy in community and navigating these things together? Um, and would you help us uh, do it with a lot of joy and a lot of grace? So we love you, and we pray this all in your name. Amen.